When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's that time again. Another Carolina podcast. Early morning edition, so forgive us if our energy levels are a little bit low. Chris is over here pounding some coffee. Wes is good to go. I'm sure he's already been to the gym this morning. <laughs> Confirm or deny? Deny. Deny, okay. That's all right. Well, I know you're ready I'm to go. I'm an afternoon guy. Oh, you're an afternoon guy? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, either way, you got your Dunder Mifflin shirt on, which means oh, you yeah. are ready to go. I wore this and- just for you. I know you did because I made fun of you for not wearing it. Podcasting last shirt, week. yeah, it really is. <laughs> the amount of podcasts that you've recorded wearing that shirt is, uh, I think, disproportionate to the amount of time that Chris or I have worn any one shirt. True, while podcasting, I will own that. But either way, we got a, a bunch to catch up on, and we're now in a dead period, which is great news for for the two of you, especially. You get a little bit of a time until uh, what July twenty fourth, you said. I think, and uh, until Carolina can do anything else interesting that would require us to do any emergency podcast. We do have three commits to cover today, as well as the very last week of camp this past weekend, right before the dead period, including a couple of official visitors that were here in Columbia. But we're going to go ahead and get started with a couple commits that have, uh, I guess, announced their decision since we did our last podcast last Monday. Um, we'll go ahead and get started with a three-star offensive tackle, 6'4", 285, out of Woodbridge, Virginia, Vershawn Lee. He committed, I think, the afternoon after we posted this mm-hmm. podcast. So sorry that it's been a while uh, before we've been able to update you guys on it. But Wes, can you give us an update on Lee's recruitment process and his commitment? Yeah, I, I think another versatile kid. Uh, I think, um, you know, we list him as a tackle, but could play there, could play guard, could even probably profile as a center. You know, I think you look at what Eric Wolfer's looked for. It's been, uh, you know, versatility and athleticism. This kid has it. Um you know, I, I think they kind of came across him when they were recruiting Ja'Kai Moore. Um, he's uh, obviously also from Virginia, and they've been up there, and, and they've kind of cast a wide net on O-line recruiting. So um, offered him. He uh, he was in Columbia earlier this year, I think uh, maybe January, February time period. Um, had a visit then, really, really liked it. Came back for his official visit um, earlier this month and had a great time. Um, actually, I think really decided at that point that he was going to be a Gamecock. Took one more official visit to Pitt. Um, you know, I think one of those situations where he had told him he would come see their school and take the official. So he followed through with that. And then, um, you know, immediately announced a couple of days after that for South Carolina. So, um, you know, I, I think you, you got to give an assist to Ja'Kai Moore. He was his host on the visit. Um, you know, Vershawn just raved about, the way J- Jakai sort of told him everything about the program, told him, um, you know, all the good things, but also told him, hey, you know, these workouts have been killer. You know, they've crushed us. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be successful, you got to work hard. So I, I think that helped out. I think the relationship with Eric Wolford was big here. And um, and Vershawn's mom just absolutely loved everything on the official visit. Anytime you got mom on board, you know, that that's a big step. So uh, another – Good pickup, and, and actually, Chris, I think this probably, uh, for the most part, closes out their O-line recruiting for this class. 
They got five guys. Obviously, uh, you know, Isaiah Walker, they'll look to, to keep him on board. Um, you know, he looks fairly strong right now, but something we'll continue to monitor. Uh, but assuming those five guys stick, it uh, looks like those will be their five guys for this class. Yeah, and it's another good group, you know, with some um, with some versatility. You know, you mentioned Walker. I think he's sort of the crown jewel that of that offensive line class. We had a chance to watch him um, in camp, the final camp day on Saturday. Um, you know, he participated. And that, that's the thing you like about Walker. He's certainly um, maybe a little bit more unique among offensive linemen that he's definitely enjoyed the recruiting process and gone through that continually. Um, for now, not going to take any more visits. Again, like Wes said, something we'll monitor. But um, I, I can see after – I mean, I've seen him on film, but seeing him in person and seeing how he's filled out and how he moves, um, you can see why the hype is there. I, you know, for me, I think he should be a little bit higher in the rankings. Um, you know, he's he's moved up continually on the Rivals Network. But, um, you know, when he committed to South Carolina, he was 260 pounds or so at, at most, and now he's in the 300 range. Still moves extremely well. He's got the feet to play left tackle. Um, so I, I really liked what I saw from him. And then you add Lee and the other guys in the class, you know, Tyshawn Wanamaker out of the state. Uh, I think it's another good group with some versatility. And you always want to bring in numbers in your class. And every year they've seemed to want to take, you know, four to five guys. And if you can hit on a few of those, then you're doing pretty well for yourself. It seems like, you know, obviously I think we're all kind of at the point where it's just trust Wolf in terms of, what he's looking for in terms of the way that he evaluates talent on the front end and the way that he develops it. You know, we've got no reason except for to trust whatever his process is, but he seems to be, you know, obviously Carolina is not going to land a, a bunch of five-star offensive linemen necessarily right now, but when you look at the guys that he's offered and that he's excited about coming in, it's it's also guys that don't have necessarily like the biggest offer list. Like Lee was offered by seemingly every ACC school. He's got Boston College, Louisville, North Carolina State, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and then the only other SEC offer he had was Tennessee. And I imagine part of that is him being a little bit undersized during the majority of this process. If he's just now about 300, like you said, he was 260 when Carolina offered him. Right now, like I said, on Rivals, he's 285. So he seems like a guy that, in theory, his body will at least be a year away from playing. But Wolf, as you guys mentioned right off the top, is looking for someone like Lee who's maybe a little bit more explosive, a little bit quicker, a little more athletic, has he found something? Is he tapping into some sort of market inefficiency here that you think other programs around the country will start to pursue in terms of offensive linemen that are maybe a little bit undersized, but what they lack in that bulk or maybe making up for in, in speed and athleticism? I mean, O-line, O-line's already hard. It's the hardest position, don't you agree, Wes, to project? Probably. I mean, quarterback's tough, too. Probably quarterback and offensive line mm-hmm. are really, really difficult. Um, and I think you just look at <clears> – <throat> a lot of people think, okay – you need to sign four stars or five stars who are six five and three hundred and thirty pounds. And if you if you get a bunch of those guys, you're probably going to be pretty good. I mean, Georgia's done a lot of that lately, but um, they've also had. I mean, David Andrews, who plays for the Patriots, went to Georgia. He was an undersized guy out of high school who I think was a maybe at best a mid three star. Or so, um, and you know, he's still playing for the Patriots and was really good in college too. So. I think you just look at, you know, Wolford's not afraid to take a guy who's maybe a little more undersized. I mean, Ronald Patrick was one of them. He was probably six foot one. That sort of diminished his market and his stock on the recruiting trail, but he had long arms, big long arms, and he could play football. And so he offered him, he was a good player at South Carolina. He played in the league. 
you know, and he wasn't a first-round pick or anything, but he played in the league. Then on the other side, you know, Wolford took a guy like, you know, Corey Robinson, who was the opposite end of that spectrum. He was a giant. You know, and there's a little bit of that in this class. You got, you know, Jason Turnitin, who's 6'7", 340, the human eclipse. And then you got Trey Jones, who is, you know, 6'2", and, you know, undersized right now, but also is like a 4'7", 40 guy. And, and he has 30 the, plus inch vertical. Right. And he's the wings. He's, he's a wingspan of more of like a six, four guy or something. So those are the things you look for. And, and so when you're evaluating offensive line, I mean, that's what you, if you got a huge guy, that's great. But can he move, you know, can he move? Can he bend? Is he mentally smart enough? Does he like to work? You have to sort of assess all those things. And that's why camp's important. That's why getting to know the prospects important and not just going up and down a list saying this guy's huge. Well, I, I think, um, you look at not to, I mean, not to hate on rivals, but um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just I've also looked at some of the rankings of some of the O lineman Wolf has signed, and um, you know I think I think you can already look at like a Jalen Nichols, and and a just you know the the current players work these camps a lot of times, so just looking at Jalen Nichols standing there compared to 99 percent of the campers at O line. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's insane. Just the the difference in you know size and perceived athleticism there um, is crazy. But you know, you look at Nichols and I, you what you hear from out of South Carolina's camp and stuff about him. Um, I feel like rivals may have already. I think you can already say rivals may have missed on that one. <laughs> and I, and I just yeah. look at Jakai Moore and just the this the athleticism size combination there. And I wonder how he wasn't at least, you know, a higher three star, like a five seven three star. You're talking about, um, and I, I like to look at what other schools, not just, you know, what other schools have offered, which is something a lot of fans look at is just the offer list. Which these days the schools send out so many offers. Some schools do that. That doesn't always mean anything. But if a guy's a top target for a school, you know, Jakai Moore, um, according to a lot of the Penn State sites, was. Penn State's like number one offensive line target. So you're talking about a guy that Penn State clearly had very, very high, wanted him. Um, for one, it's a heck of a recruiting job just to be able to go and, and take him from them. But two, I think that says something about him as a, as a player. So not all these guys are four-star guys, but I think some of them, um, you know, just like it's hard for the coaches to evaluate O-line, you know, it's it's harder for the industry to evaluate offensive linemen, so I, I think you got some guys that already there are some signs may have been underrated, and um, then you add those type of guys with the Isaiah Walkers, the Dylan Wanhams of the world, who are highly rated, and I think that's you know that's that's a nice recipe for success for South Carolina. And you know I, I like the thing I like about Walker. Yes, he does enjoy the recruiting process. Um, he's even commented on our couple of our live streams of the podcast that he was watching. You know actually listening about back recruiting when we used and stuff. to do that yeah back when uh, we used to do that but um you know i like the fact he did come to camp and compete i mean oh yeah definitely a, a four-star guy um yeah. final day of camp he doesn't have to get out there and work nobody's forcing him to but he just went out there and, and went after it i you know i i respect that yeah and, you know a couple other points on the offensive line is you know i think when you've got a coach who's you know people people there's sort of, you know, we always have the segments of the fan base. And so, 
you know, there's there's ones that trust the coaches, and then there's the side that gets mad at trust the coaches because they heard that a lot towards the end of the Spurrier era or, or whenever, and that didn't go so well. But when you've got a guy like Wolford who, I mean, he has a track record, you know, and and when you got a guy like that, he was one of the first to offer Isaiah Walker. I think when Isaiah Walker committed, I don't remember the exact order, but when Isaiah committed a long time ago, he had Kentucky and South Florida. Now he has Florida, FSU, Miami, LSU, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. And so they got him committed early, and now he's sort of blossomed into this. You know, another, Wolford offered Seth McLaughlin first out of Buford in Georgia. Uh, he's committed to Alabama now. He got offers from everybody. Um South Carolina also was the first big school to offer Trey Jones from Abbeville. Now, a bunch of schools haven't followed. First of all, he committed on the spot. And second of all, some schools are going to look and say, oh, that kid's 6'2", we're not going to take him. So I think a lot of it is about trusting your eyes, you know, as a coach. So if you see a guy and you think he can play, then you take him. And sometimes you sort of throw that other stuff out of the window. Now, if you took all – you know, I think people get upset about, well, this guy doesn't have a huge offer list. If you took five, four to five guys in every class who had meager offer list, I think your chances of being good on the O-line or at any position are not as good. I mean, that's just the way it is. But you can work some of those guys in. You look at – I mean, there's plenty of guys in the NFL. Jason Kelsey from the Eagles was a walk-on linebacker, I think, at Cincinnati. You know, uh, Lane Johnson for the Eagles. We still, you can go back and look at Lane Johnson's rivals profile. He's a six foot three, two hundred and two pound quarterback, out of high school. Went to Oklahoma, was I think a def, uh, maybe a tight end, defensive end. I mean, he changed positions, then he eventually got up to three hundred pounds. Was I think number seven pick overall in the draft. So you can get those guys, and you're also going to see some guys in the league who were four or five star players. You know, Isaiah Wynn uh, was was a big time player. Trenton Brown. Just got the biggest, richest contract in NFL history for an offensive lineman. Uh, he was a three-star junior college recruit uh, who played for Muschamp at Florida. So there's a mix of those guys. And, and I think um, look, the, the biggest thing they look for is can a guy move, can he bend, um, can he play? Does he have the mentality to do it? Somebody else that may end up having been underrated through the recruiting process. He's a high, a high three-star guy, but still a three-star guy. He does have an impressive offer list from Alabama, from Auburn, Florida, Georgia, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, who recently committed to South Carolina as another defensive back. He's officially listed as an athlete, but being recruited as a defensive back out of Orlando, Florida, a guy that we've talked about several times on this show already, Dominic Hill. Walk me through his recruitment and then his commitment on, let's see, that was last week, six days ago, the 20th. Yeah, Dom was a guy that um, has played defensive back for one year, and so once he made that switch last season, his offer list, his stock sort of really exploded. So South Carolina got in there early. Uh, Coleman Hutzler, Javaris Robinson, um, got him on campus uh, I think three to four times for overnights this year. So he took, I think, a visit in March, a visit in April, um, and then he took his official visit in June. So even that first visit in March that was an overnight unofficial we started hearing good things about South Carolina's chances and the relationship just sort of grew there. And we got to watch him in camp actually on Saturday, right, Wes, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, didn't get to see him run the 40. Wish we would have got to see that. But um, he was a guy that, I mean, you look at him and he's filled out a little bit. Like you look at his rival's profile and then you look at him now, he's clearly put on some weight and filled out some. He's got length, um, you know, six foot one, maybe almost six foot two with long arms. Moves well. He's a guy that's willing to be physical. And I think he held up well in coverage. 
you could tell Travaris Robinson kept pulling him aside and showing him some things, even in, in the midst of like warm-ups, just some different things about jamming and how to move your feet. So that's, I guess you could say the exciting thing about him is there's still a lot of untapped potential. He, he doesn't completely know what's going on at defensive back right now, but he's got a lot of the tools that you look for. I mean, is, is the transition maybe part of the, because clearly, like I said, he's got a good offer list. He's still listed as a three-star, as I mentioned, sort of towards the high end of three-star. How much of that is because he's an athlete and people don't really know what position he's going to be playing, and then that is maybe adversely affecting his, his rival's rank? I mean, I, I think it's partially just because he's so raw at that position. You don't really know um, for sure what he's going to turn into. Um, you know, I, I think, though, you look at, at defensive back for this class and – it's not really a great year just nationally at that position. So I think, you know, if, if if you have to, you can take some guys like him who maybe are more developmental types. Um, you know, he's only played it a year, but th- that just means there's there's plenty that, uh, you know, you're talking about a blank canvas basically that T-Rob can work with, Will Muschamp can work with. And, um, you know, I think you look at the Fortune kid at Sumter, similar deal, high upside, a little bit of a raw player. Um they're in on some other guys that maybe aren't don't quite fit that, but I, I think at that position, if you have a guy that can match up athletically with, um, you know, with wide receivers in the league, then you know you you take a chance on them. And I, I think obviously um, a lot of teams had that same thought with Dom Hill. If you look at that offer list, last guy up that is committed in the last week. I, I, this one really came out of left field. Obviously, I'm not on the ground covering this guy covering this like you guys. Uh, but South Carolina got a commitment from recent William and Mary tight end Nick Muse, whose brother Tanner, y'all will probably know as the Clemson defensive back. Where did this come from, and how should Gamecock fans feel about Nick Muse coming to Carolina? I mean, I I, actually, I think they should feel really good. I mean, the, the kid's a player. Um, you know, I've I've seen a little bit of video on him. Um, you know, Chris saw him in in person quite a bit at camp. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they really needed a, a guy to sort of bridge the gap at tight end. I think you look at um, you know a couple of upperclassmen, Kyle Markway, Keel Pollard, and then um, you know you look at the the two incoming true freshmen that are already on campus. They're high on those guys, but um, you look everywhere in between. You're very unproven at tight end, and South Carolina's been talented at tight end for a long time. But you're starting to see. Um, you know, some of those guys move on. Obviously, Hayden Hurst has been gone a couple of years now. Uh, Casey Crosby, Jacob August have moved on. Um, you've lost some starting pieces there. You know, I, I think everybody feels pretty good about Kiel Pollard and, and Kyle Markway manning that spot. But you kind of needed to bridge the gap and balance out the classes at tight end. They were looking for, for somebody who could come in and, and play. And, um, you know, he was in the transfer per- portal. He worked out for the staff. And... Um, you know, looked really, really good. Um, big kid, played like I think four sports in high school. Um, you know, I I, I really like the pickup, and I, I think the the interesting thing will be, does he get the NCAA waiver to be able to play this year? But um, you know, if he doesn't, he'll take a red shirt this year, and then you know, Kill Pollard's gone after this season. So um, and Muse will have two years to play here at Carolina. Yeah, he'll have two years either way. So he'll either have two years starting this year. Or he'll have to sit out this year and have two years starting next season, um, you know, in 2020. But I, you know, I, I like it. They'll still take another tight end, um, you know, a high school guy. So I, I think, I mean, everybody was just sort of taken a, a bit off guard by it. But I wouldn't let the fact that he was at William and Mary, 
you know, guide my thought process on him. Because you watch, I mean, there's not much film out there on him. Um, I don't think that was a very good William and Mary team. Yeah, I don't think William and Mary's on TV a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but if the clips that are out there, and then you know, Chris, Chris came up to me um, before we had any idea that it was him, and was like, "Who is this guy?" We had to figure out who this guy is. So he had caught his attention, um, you know, before we even realized that this was a guy South Carolina might end up taking. Yeah, there was an underclassman. There were a few tight ends working out that day, and there was an underclassman tied in there who has offers from, like, everybody. And Muse was far better, in my opinion. Now, I stopped myself when I was thinking that and said, okay, well, after I found out it was Muse, you go, okay, this is a guy who's been in college. So there is that benefit, but still, um, if if the underclassman guy had committed, it'd be something everybody's all fired up about. But this is a guy that, I mean, he he was, like Wes said, he was over 6'4", 240, He's a guy that could step in and play. The staff believes, you know, you always got to get a guy on campus and let him go through everything, but they believe he's a starter caliber guy. And so if you land a guy that you think could start for you and improve your team, that's normally a move you make, whether it's a high school guy, junior college guy, transfer, no matter what school. Um, You know, LSU had an offer out. NC State had an offer out. I guess if he had transferred from LSU to South Carolina, that would be more of a validation. I don't don't know. But, look, again – we, we talked about it with O-line, with, like, the two- and three-star thing. If you stocked your roster with only William & Mary transfers, probably not good. But there's a place. There are D2 guys in the NFL. There's D2 guys on rosters across college football, guys that, you know, were walk-ons at programs who were really good. So if you add guys like that who are good football players, no matter the background, to a team, do you have good pieces around them? You know, it's something that can work. And so – I thought it made a lot of sense. I mean, Wes laid out sort of the tight end situation. Beyond those upperclassmen, there's just not a lot of proven guys right now. And so you get a guy who can help you on special teams and at tight end and do some different things for you. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I think, too, Chris, the fact I mean, they, they didn't have to take this guy from a number no. standpoint. It's not like you were taking a guy just to, to come be a warm body. Um, you know, we were told uh, by someone, we, we being South Carolina, we get better with this pickup like we're a better team with Nick Muse on the team than without him uh, so I, you know I, I think it was it was a situation where they felt like hey this guy makes us better he wants to come uh you know let, let's do it and I I think personally depending on when he's eligible um this guy's going to be a starter at some point in his career like this guy will start um probably a special teams guy as well they you know the tight ends tend to get involved in some of the kickoff and kick coverage teams too um and and then, you know, they had talked about two tight ends in this class regardless. So, basically, you're talking about bringing in one guy that's a little bit older, more of a veteran presence, and then bringing in, a you know, a true freshman as well. Jaheim Bell is somebody they like a lot that's committed to Florida, but um, very, very high on South Carolina. I think you'd say they may have a better chance than Florida does to end up with him. So, um, you know, it, it makes more sense, I think, once you get down into – the uh, details on why they have this thought process at that position. Yeah, well, and I'm not trying to, to disparage him, the transfer, like anything like that, because as we've talked about a lot today, especially, and then just in general over the course of doing this podcast, recruiting is an imperfect art, and it absolutely makes sense that guys are going to fall through the crack. I'm more fascinated about how the coaching staff even saw or heard about this guy if he's at William & Mary. Do you all know? Do y'all have any insight? Like, did some random William and Mary fan just email Will Muschamp and be like, hey, you got to check out our tight end. He's pretty filthy. Or, you know, how, how does that part of it work? Well, I think it's just, um, 
with the transfer portal, um, I imagine coaches are probably constantly looking at that thing and just saying, um, who's out there? there are there? hundreds of names in the portal. Yeah, but if you're paid millions of dollars, somebody's... I guess and, you're just watching you films a, on hundreds of guys all the time. You have support staff yeah, in true. place that... I'd imagine there's a transfer portal um, monitor within the staff. We need to check on that. There's got to be somebody whose job is just to check the portal probably every day, right? Or- Definitely. I, I would say so. I, I don't know specific to South Carolina. I remember Bruce Feldman wrote a story about the portal recently in, um, on The Athletic, and um, he he sort of laid out, he talked to some people about the portal within college football programs, and a lot of it was about how things are just out of control, like there's names of guys that are, you know, just obscure names, like guy in there wasn't even on a team or whatever, you know, just crazy stuff. Like I can put my name in the transfer portal? Go for it. <laughs> but guys, you know, um, they def- programs definitely have guys that check it. And in most cases, you got to think about these recruiting departments. These They have guys that watch a lot of bad film, you know, like on – Every high school in your recruiting area, which certainly South Point out of Belmont, North Carolina, is going to be one that you have some familiarity with. I can guarantee you, if somebody saw Nick Muse's name come up in the transfer portal at South Carolina in their recruiting department, they're familiar with that name for sure. Interesting. Um, all right, guys, we're recording this on a Wednesday morning. It's officially the dead period, as I mentioned early on in, in the podcast. But this past weekend was the final bit of action that we'll have for about a month. It was camp. There were a bunch of people in town. And you guys were there for all of it because y'all work tirelessly, and we very much appreciate that. What are some of y'all's takeaways from this final weekend of camp? Who'd you see? Who'd you like? What was interesting? Any interesting conversations you had with coaches or players? Well, you know, I think a guy on Saturday that that really caught my attention and I think is worth keeping an eye on for 2021, I, I know it, sometimes it's hard to, to just sort of wrap your mind around 2021 before we're even done with 2020, but... Quarterback recruiting is a little bit different. It's a little bit earlier. People tend to like to hear about quarterback recruiting a little bit more as well. It tends to uh, move the needle a bit. So um, Colton Gothier is a kid out of Georgia. Um, had a great visit to South Carolina about a month ago and then was back Saturday, threw for Dan Warner, got just extensive one-on-one instruction for him in the morning, then threw with the rest of the campers in the afternoon. And uh, I think it's kind of a situation – where, you know, you look at some recruitments and it just sort of makes sense. Um, Both sides have a ton of mutual interest in the other. And so this is sort of a little bit of info, a little bit of gut feel, a little bit of just reading the tea leaves. But I I think South Carolina has put themselves in really good shape with Colton. Um, You know, he's a 6'3 kid, probably he's listed, I think, 185, 190. Maybe he's up to 200 pounds or so now, but um, threw the ball very, very well. Um, his stock has started to go up. He's, his name has gotten a little bit more traction lately. He's a high three-star on rivals, number two quarterback in Georgia for that class. Had a chance to move up a bit, but, you know, I, I thought, and he, he it's fresh on my mind too, but I, I thought Colton just threw the ball very, very well, and South Carolina seems to be very, very interested um, in, in what he has to offer for that class. All right, well, let me ask you this before we get to uh, Chris's thoughts from Cam, just since we're talking about Colton. Will Muschamp is known as an excellent recruiter, excellent developer, especially of defensive players. If there's been one knock on Will Muschamp through the entirety of his career, it's his ability to construct top-tier offenses. And yet, here's South Carolina 
having signed Jacarion Joyner, Ryan Helensky, Luke Doty, and now being, I don't want to say an early favorite, but at least it seems like reasonably in the mix for a guy that's mm-hmm. going to be another top quarterback prospect in the country. Where is this coming from? Um, I, I think a lot of it has been, you know, recently has been Dan Warner. And, uh, you know, I think you even look, um, you know, you look before fans obviously, um, you know, won't have a lot of positive things to say about Kurt Roper on game day play calling. But I thought Kurt Roper did a good job of getting in on quarterbacks early, evaluating quarterbacks. Um, A bunch of guys he offered early ended up getting a bunch of offers later on. So they were able to move in quick. I I think some of it may just be um, on sort of correcting issues in the past you know um obviously i i think if if Muschamp had had a quarterback who was good at florida earlier because you know will greer redshirted um his final year there if he had gotten longer at florida or if they had played greer um you know or if greer was in a, a class ahead or something you know he may still be at florida you know competing for the east because i think if you combine the defenses he had there with a solid quarterback it's probably a completely different scenario. So I, I think they've, um, you know, they've done well. Some of it's, I won't say luck, but some of it's about, you know, what guys are in your territory, what guys are out, you know, Luke Doty's an in-state kid. Um, but the other side of that is they went across the entire country and got Ryan Helensky, which is pretty much unprecedented for South Carolina. You know, not even just Muschamp, but for South Carolina itself to go over there, get a national quarterback from California. Um you know, I think Muschamp has put a lot of uh, personal energy and effort into recruiting that position as well. And and I think kids sort of gravitate to Dan Warner. Um, he's a, a different presence. Um, obviously, he's not the the young, exciting, um, cool guy like T-Rob or Brian McClendon is for a DB or a receiver. But I, I think the quarterback position maybe lends itself to, you know, this is a guy that's that's coached a number of top guys, a number of top offenses, uh, has a very just calm, laid-back demeanor, is a teacher of the position. Um, I think that appeals to a lot of quarterbacks. All right, Chris, your turn. Talking about camp? Yeah. Just what got things that stood out yeah. from the last day, maybe. I mean, uh, C.J. Stokes was one. Um, kid out of Hammond from the 2022 class, running back. Um, you know, the first time I saw CJ was in February, um, sat down at Hammond and, and talked to a few guys, Alex Huntley and, uh, Saul Diaz and CJ Stokes and, you know, learned a little bit about CJ. Um, and you could tell he was going to be a guy who was going to end up getting offers because, um, he's got speed. He's a track guy. Um, you could tell his, he, he could continue getting bigger with his frame and he was a really driven kid. You know, he takes he takes football and his development very seriously. And so uh, he's really been working hard. He looks a good bit bigger even since February to me, just seeing him in South Carolina. So the staff saw him in seven-on-seven seven when Hammond uh, had a good showing at seven-on-seven seven earlier in June. And then he came back for the last camp day. He ran a 4-4-1 in the 40. Um, and then he did really well in one-on-one. So they pulled him out after that and, and gave him his first offer. So that was a big one. Um, with him being an in-state guy, I thought that was a pretty significant development. Um, another thing that stood out, you know, Wes and I talk about this a lot. There's so many guys that roll through camp. I think Muschamp said on Twitter the other day they had 4,000 guys come through camp between 7-on-7 seven seven and, and the, 
lineman camp and the individual camps. And so I wish y'all could see the face that Pierce is making right now. Yeah. Four thousand guys. Now, not all of those are prospects, obviously, but they always the vast majority are not. Are not. Vast majority are not. But it gives you I mean, we saw a lot of guys, you know, who are really good players and are either committed to play somewhere or are gonna be power five guys or have South Carolina offers. And they always like sneak in some, not on purpose, but you know, they some get past us because we're trying to see so many different things. We know some guys that are going to be there, so we watch. We're looking for others, trying to figure out who they are. And so the last day of camp, South Carolina had Jaquez Robinson in camp. He's a guy out of Jacksonville, Trinity Christian, who's committed to Alabama. Had no idea he was going to be there, even that he was, and found out later. And um, that's an interesting one. It's heating up a little bit. Um, he got an offer from South Carolina, um, family ties in Sumter. And, um, you know, Florida's been in the mix as well. South Carolina's now heavily in the mix, so – um, he's certainly one to watch. South Carolina's defensive backboard is still somewhat fluid. They got some targets out there, but uh, with with them looking at taking a couple more, uh, he's certainly one to watch now. So that was an interesting development, I thought. And neither of you are going to mention the single most interesting thing that happened over there at the practice facility this weekend. What was that? Y'all were both y'all both participated in it. You gave me <laughs> you gave me the Hammond kids forty time. You didn't mention your own forty time. Yep, we Do y'all want to tell 40. the story? It was, it was, it was not, not so good. We need to work on our starts, I think. Okay, so yeah. I was impressed, first of all, seeing the video. But before we get into the specifics and break this down like we do any other recruiting visit, because you guys were, were doing your combine stuff out there. You are in the indoor facility, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the origin of this? Is this just something that media do, that like nah, recruiting guys do? Or did you two just decide we you might do, do this? We might do full combine like next year, but that will be very yeah. bad. I don't know. Did y'all do this last year? Pretty. We've talked about doing – I think we talked about doing a 40 last year, and we just never – like a lot of things, we talk about doing them, and then we never do them. It, yeah, it's been a discussion for a while. It's, it's been in the works. Which, just sort of like which one of us is faster has been like a so discussion. So this, this, this was a discussion between the two of you. This wasn't, you know, you guys were standing there recording people's 40 times, and Will Muschamp came up to you, and he's like, I'd like to see what you guys run, you nah, know, because nah. he likes to make fun <laughs> that, of the media happen. in a good-natured way. Nah. No? No, we just – it's just been like a – Who's faster? Was this in thing. the middle of camp? Like guys are throwing around you and doing O line drills, and y'all are like, <clears throat> "No, we waited. Till, we waited until no, after everybody. Was okay, so everybody left. Everybody was get gone. there. Who was timing? Well, so Colin Taylor yeah. was there. Who okay, obviously, good. you know, he's impartial. Yeah, and and a numbers guy. I trust him. So <laughs> what we did was we did. I did a forty by myself with. Him timing, him being Chris, and Colin just to get two numbers. And then Chris did a 40 with me timing and Colin timing. Okay. And then then we did our actual race, which was videoed by Colin. Who won? I mean, I watched it, but. Yeah, Chris Chris hawked me down and got me. Woo. That was close. It was very close. It, it, was, it was close, yeah. I uh, had him, and then he he turned on the boosters. You got you to gotta finish the race, Wes. It's only 40 meters. How do you run out of gas? It's 40, 40 yards. 40 yards. 40 yards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I watched too much soccer. Jesus, I guess. man, that's um, bad. But yeah, you measured in kilometers. <laughs> How many kilometers we ran during the day? Oh, don't even get me started on the metric system, <laughs> which we should all be using. But um, dude, the, all right. So we asked people to. By the way, we got to give away that free time. We never even followed through with that. Um, because yeah, the closest, to uh, yeah, the closest guesses, mm-hmm. or the closest guess, we're giving away a free month to. But everybody's what, what, like, what were your times? Everybody's like five, 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 six, five, 
Yeah, five, Sundial. Nine, sundial, s- calendar. Tomorrow, like, yeah. End I'm of like, time. Come on. I mean, give us a little bit of credit. I know. I mean, I'm And more people pick West, too. Oh, yeah. See, the real problem. Yeah. I could see Chris over there stewing that so many people <laughs> picked against him. So his adrenaline got going. Like, I was like, this is not good. That's we great. got an underdog story here. Man. Everybody was picking me. I was like, I don't need everybody picking me. You know, you don't want to be yeah. that Target. much of a favorite. Target on your back. Yeah, exactly. But um, Chris Chris got sub five on Colin's watch. Yeah. So, Did you get sub five? No, I got five two. Five two? And you were four nine? I had Chris at five. Very like the highest for four nine four nine, nine, I think. And I had Chris at five one seven, which they said I had a, a slow fudge. and how, I had a slow hand. How old Colin had a fast hand. How yeah. ready for this were y'all? I mean were, oh, were not ready wearing at all. tennis no. shoes or cleats? Were y'all wearing what you're wearing? Were you wearing like a collared shirt or were you like I was wearing a collared wearing? shirt. Yeah. Wow. Tennis shoes. Uh I did put on some athletic shorts to change, okay. but I had a collared shirt, tennis shoes. Um we did not receive any training. Like we didn't get on in a sprinter's stance. Oh, y'all just y'all, y'all just it's standing just like, and then we sort the of leaned over. Was like, oh, we gotta go. I was like three quarters of the way standing up. West leaned down a little bit more, um, but it, I, I mean, if we get some timing or some training, and then if we get people who can actually like are trained at timing, I'd be curious. Yeah, what you we get ran. USC's official timekeepers. I mean, I think y'all are there while they're there. I think I think next year we're gonna set this thing. We up. can do it again. And, and can do I do a it with you? Better. Yeah. Yeah. Really How, what do you think huh? you could do? Um, I mean, I, I, I would. De- I, I would had no idea what to I would expect. definitely be sub five. Um, oh, even definitely. Well, I mean, so I'm I'm a I'm a good bit younger than y'all, so I have more recently probably had a time timed. I think yeah. the last time I had a forty time was my junior year of high school, and I ran a four six. Yeah, um, you'd probably beat us. Then. So yeah, I would. I would probably. But it's also been a while since I've done that. Um. But I love that y'all do that, and we got to get like you know broad jump and stuff like that too. You saw the video, so just eye test. You feel like you could beat that on the? Yeah, although I was impressed. Y'all both y'all both moved pretty well. Not that because I mean I I was talking about you going to the gym earlier, and I know you play soccer. I know y'all are both athletic. Um, I I think for people that just listen to this and have never met us or never seen us, they probably just assume that since we talk about sports, we're like fat and just eat Cheetos and like sit in the basement and just like bang on our computer all day. Yeah, Um, I do like nachos. We're we're, yeah, I mean nachos are. Dang. I mean, I, but I I was happy with our times, like to be, because I didn't know what to expect. And people, yeah. dude, like an actual four or five that these kids are putting down. Yeah, that's hauling. It's absolutely motoring. Like that is hauling. Yeah. So I yeah. think people forget how quick. I mean, you got linemen running four nine. I mean, the athleticism of a true high level SEC football player is insane. I don't even know if you get that watching it on TV or even in the stadium, how big and fast these dudes are. So I, I didn't know what to expect. I was pretty happy with it. I mean, the other thing is, I yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had, I've got a terrible ankle, and Chris, you've had surgery within the last year. So you throw in those two things, like I'm, be pretty, four I'm pretty dang happy <laughs> to be 33, and he's almost 33, and put those down compared to what our expectations were from our Loyal fan base on Gamecock Central. Yeah, you know yeah. people were just picking on you. Tough crowd. No, but wait. Do y'all know who but, got the closest? 
No, I got I got to go back, go back and do and that. Look. Okay, um, all right. So so next week we'll do a, another a reveal. Well, this is kind of a dead period podcast because we're in the dead period, but we had stuff to talk about. We'll do another yeah. dead period talk uh, podcast where we talk about absolutely nothing. Yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll there'll still there'll the, still the be some commitments along the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, even though it's dead period, it's, it's never really a dead period, no. is it? But and we'll hey, have some other fun like alternative kind of stuff for y'all for the summer. So we'll do a Q and A for the next one too. I'll yeah. post it on the board. Yeah. Um, by the way, we got to mention. Quick shout out to Bill Anderson, who is a. We told him we try to fit him into the podcast. He is a member of our site, and uh, his kid Logan was at camp. Um, was that Friday or Saturday? I don't know. His his kid camped. He's a young O line slash D line from the Upstate, and we said they actually are avid listeners of the podcast. So oh, we well, said thanks for listening, y'all. We would shout them out if we could. Wait, so. are they from Anderson? Um. No, no, I don't believe so. Okay, you said the upstate. Woodruff, said I believe, is Woodruff? what it is, right? Okay, all right. Because we were talking about their running back there, so mm. and Coach Bradley Adams at Woodruff. Cool, Bill and Logan. Yeah, what up? Shout Bill? out. Shout How's it going? Out. Um, all right. So before we wrap up today, I, I was going to say the forty stuff for the end, but then you mentioned the four four one, and that made me think about it. Ah. Uh, but we do have one more actual football thing to talk about, real quick. There were two official visitors on campus this past weekend. Oh. Juan McDougal, receiver out of Deerfield Beach, Florida, and then Joey Hunter, who's a defensive back out of Georgia. Um, yeah, those both went well. I mean, it, it looked like McDougal was going to make an August decision, but he's pushing that back a little bit, and he's going to go take some other officials, probably Maryland, Oregon, Purdue, Ohio State, uh, but still a target of interest there for South Carolina. Maybe one more receiver in this class, so he's certainly a guy to watch. And then Joey Hunter, um, final official visit of the process. He got offered by South Carolina this summer in camp. Um, he went to camp at Texas A&M, got offered by those guys after that, and then took an official to South Carolina. So officially down to seven schools, but really it's South Carolina, Texas A&M. And uh, there's, there's been some buzz about both, you know, going in. He's supposed to decide on July 2nd. We have an update on him on GamecockCentral.com with sort of the latest yesterday's insider report. Um, but, yeah, he, he's certainly a guy to watch going forward as well. So his decision – we got two upcoming decisions. His – July 2nd, and yep. then Miles Murphy, July 8th, which right. will be either South Carolina or North Carolina there, I think, is strongest. Um, Alabama's been in the mix, too. Alabama's been in the mix, too. <laughs> but South Carolina, North Carolina? That's that. Those, those I, are the I mean, kinds of marginal head-to-heads that you have yeah. to win, I think. Yeah. North Carolina needs to win it, too. Yeah. And Alabama wants him. Gosh. We, he's a uh, player, man. He's a good player. We spent we spent some time on our local show yesterday ranking the importance of each of Carolina's games this year, and a bunch of people were like, "Ah, oh, you know, App State, Charleston Southern, like you got to win those." And then my buddy of mine sent me a projection of every team's final ranking on Carolina's schedule, and App State was projected to finish ranked ahead of obviously Charleston Southern, but also North Carolina, Kentucky, and I think Vanderbilt. Really? Um, hmm. Yeah. So, but but yeah, I mean, North Carolina's probably going to be. A, I mean, I know Mac Brown's back, but. What's he working with? It's going to be a, another disastrous year for North Carolina, if I had to guess. So Carolina's got to win that head to head. Go ahead and get Miles Murphy. Add insult to injury after they beat North Carolina by, you know, 35. Goodness. Well. well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Another Carolina Podcast as I lose my voice. I guess that's why it's time to go. Good timing. We'll be back next week with the winner of the guests, Wes and Chris's 40-time contest. We need to catch your name for that. 
Um, and in the meantime, we'll have some fun stuff for you. Be, uh, be on the lookout for a thread. We're going to do a little Q&A, a little mailbag, um, just to have some fun here during the dead period of the summer. Also want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. It's the best way to support the podcast if you like what we do and want to hear a whole lot more of it. And if you're curious and you're not a subscriber and you want to know what it's all about to be able to get all that insider access, use the exclusive podcast code GCPOD. That's G-C-P-O-D. That'll give you a month of Gamecock Central subscriber access for free. We'll be back next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.